Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Welcome this morning. We're sure glad to have you here with us at Open Bible. If you're a guest, if you're a visitor, today we welcome you. And then for those who might be joining us via the internet, we welcome you into our services today. Join me this morning, if you would, in the book of Ephesians in the sixth chapter, Ephesians chapter number six. Isn't it great to be a member of the family of God? You know, I I marvel sometimes at how good God is to us, to place us in good churches, and this is a good church, and uh, I'm reminded often of um, talented people, you know, and God's blessed open Bible with some greatly talented people, especially when it comes to their singing. I really enjoy the music, especially this morning. Look at this text with me. Now, we're speaking about the family, not the family of God, but the family unit, your family, my family, the families we were born into and the families we grew up in. And for us, the American family, right? The family here in America and specifically Uh, the family that you and I are trying to to raise and guide. Look what it says in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And here's the promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou may live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. I want to jump over to Colossians, and I'm already there. So listen to what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3. Verse 18 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as, as is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your, your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing Unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. That's the Word of God. And if you paid attention to the reading, you noticed that it was instruction given to what we would call the core family. I want to speak to you this morning on this subject the nuclear family. You ever heard that term before? The nuclear family? What, 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 is it, what does it mean? The uh, The word nuclear is taken from a Latin word, nucleus. Now, you've heard heard that before, nucleus. And when applied to the family, family, it it just speaks about the core members of a family. Right? See it on the screen? The core members of the family. And so that there's no guesstimation here as to who the core members of a family are, the Bible kind of just emphatically declares in Ephesians chapter 6, Colossians chapter number 3, and from the very beginning that a core family is made up of a father, a mother, and children. Say amen right there. 
right? So let me say it again. A core family, a nuclear family, core members of a family, according to Scripture, from the very beginning, would be a father, mother, and children, sons and daughters, right? That's, that's a nuclear family. Uh, that term was coined back in the 20s, in the 1920s. You know, they, they called core families um, nuclear families. Uh, times have changed. Say amen right there. Times have changed. And if we were to look today at what we would call the nuclear family out in America, right? Here, here's what it looks like. Uh, help me with this, guys. Uh, look at the screen. Uh, in 1970, nuclear families made up 40% of households. So back in the 70s, when you take all the households in America, and that's just America, 40% of those households were made up of what we are told are nuclear families or would be a... A would be a one more time a it's really good for you to stay in with me because it keeps you connected right get it uh, so that was in that was in the 40s today look at it today only 18% of households are nuclear or what we would consider traditional right when you, talk about, when you talk about the traditional family unit, uh, you know what we're implying. Let's not get cute. We're implying a house, a home, where there's a father, a mother, and children, right? Or a father, a mother, or a husband and wife who have yet to have children, right? But they're traditional, right? Uh, let, let's, not, let's not play games. Why are they traditional? Because it's a male and a female. Is it okay to say that still? I know you get in trouble out there, but maybe not in here, right? So the nuclear family, the traditional family, made up of a... Oh, you're good. You're good. You're getting with the program, right? Uh, now, you know this. We also, we also have what we would consider extended families, right? An extended family is simply this. It's a core family, a traditional family, where you have other families kind of move in, other, other members of the family move in. So there are some, how many have, ha, ha, had, have, have had grandparents live with us? Aunts or uncles or cousins, extended family, right? Are you with me? Extended family. But today, go ahead, you can flip that, guys. Today, what you have is what, I guess they're calling it the modern family or or the typical family. Huh? The typical family. And can I tell you what, how they define, how society defines the typical family? They define the typical family by just saying this, it's a, it's a, a core group of people made up, pay attention right here, made up of adults, two adults and children. Now, if you're, not, if you're not real careful, you read over that, you would think, man, we just, Donna, you and I have a typical family. We're two adults. But when you look at the modern family in its definition, those two adults could be two men or two women. Now, I'm not asking you to have a problem with that, and I'm not asking whether or not you agree with that. I'm, this is not a debate on 
the LGBTQ plus community. No, not at all. I'm just stating facts. So don't get, don't get mad at me. Although if you got mad at me, that's okay because I'm speaking the truth. So today, uh, the nuclear family is in decline and the typical or modern family is on the rise. Are you with me? The nuclear family being traditional with a father, mother, and children, sons and daughters, maybe sometimes extended because we welcome in our grandparents sometimes, and we've had our grandmother live with us, and, and we've had cousins live with us, you know, extended. But today, out in society, when you speak about the family, they would more label it modern or typical, where there's, where there's maybe, uh, I hate to say it, but two fathers, two mothers. And then you have the single parent uh, dwellings, right? Where there's just a mom or just a dad because one of them vacated, you know, or one of them vacated to another world. They died. Are you, are you with me? And, and so uh, it becomes a real problem when you look at that in society. And, and the nuclear family began to change. Uh, the nuclear family began to, to, to kind of decline when the divorce rate began to increase. I'm going real slow here so, so everybody can get this. Are you with me? Huh? And so you have, you have a decline in the nuclear family when the divorce rate began to increase. And, and they say this, they say uh, the divorce rate really began to hit an all-time high back in the 70s and 80s. 70s and 80s. And in fact, if you remember last week, I threw up on the screen uh, some of the current, um, you know, headlines about the family here in America. And a couple of things I said, one of the things I said was this, and I don't know if this was news to anybody, but Americans are retreating from marriage. Do you remember that? Meaning this, there are less and less people getting married in America. In fact, uh, it's at an all-time low. It went from 76% to 31%. That's a decline of 60%. So less, now pay attention here, less people are getting married in America. How many, how many of you know that's true? I mean, we have, we know people that they just, you know, uh, you know, whatever. I don't want to get in too deep into this because then I'll never get myself out of it. And then, and then another statistic was this. So uh, Americans are retreating from marriage. Less people are getting married. However, the divorce rate is still high. So even though there are less people getting married, the divorce rate is still increasing. That's alarming. That's alarming. And by the way, that is not just in America. No. In fact, I read that over in Great Britain, the, the family is, is kind of struggling. And these are statistics uh, that you can pick up anywhere. In Great Britain, they say there's a decline in the number of marriages. And so there, too, less and less people are getting married. Another statistic over in Great Britain, four out of ten babies in Britain are born to mothers outside of marriage. And uh, it says this, three in ten children will experience a broken home before they turn 16. That's alarming. Huh? Are you aware of this? Are you aware that before, before 
God began to do some unbelievable spiritual things in America. He did them in England. Are you aware of that? Are you aware that some of the great revivals that have ever occurred happened over in England? Are you aware that some of the greatest missionaries that have ever lived? Huh? And if I were to today speak about the church and speak about the church in England, I can show you picture after picture after picture of church buildings that are now restaurants or furniture stores or taverns or no longer there. I mean, there was a great awakening, you know, over in England. And today there's a great decline in spirituality and it has now affected the home. Asia. You think about Asia, you think about, you know, these people that live to be 195 years old and eat rice and grow rice and, man, are just so moral and live by values. And, but over in Asia, especially Thailand, they say it's reported that broken homes are now common. Asia, Thailand. Uh, they say this, statistics show that teenagers have become more permissive in their behavior. Right? So what am I saying? I'm saying this. I'm saying that there is a, a worldwide trend when it comes to the breakdown of the home. Not just here in America, worldwide, everywhere. That's sad. That's sad. Uh, look at this statement. The strength of a nation is derived from the integrity of its home. Soak that in for a second. The strength of a nation is derived from the integrity of its homes. <laughs> I asked the staff this morning, we pray on Sunday mornings, and I asked the staff, I, I just quoted that to them. I said, who do you think said that? And uh, what did you say, Ty? One of the presidents, one of our presidents, which would have been a good guess. Or one of our ancient, you know, leading spiritual, you know, leaders in America. You know, Billy Graham or D.L. Moody or... No, it was Confucius. Did you ever hear somebody say, Confucius said? He's a pretty smart guy. And I'll tell you what, he was on point. He was on point when he said, the strength of a nation is derived from the integrity of its homes. And if you do a little bit of study on that, here's what you find. A history, a society... A society that upholds the family and family life has been morally preserved. Did you get that? A society, a nation, a community that, that upholds family life, family morals, has been preserved. But history shows that a society that neglects the family, that allows sinful influences, becomes morally decadent. Hello? A society that allows for the neglect of the family and, and, and invites and allows sinful influences will pay morally. And we are paying, we are paying morally in our nation. Correct? I could drag out this series for a long time if I were to begin to share with you some of the statistics. You know, some of us have been around for a while. I'm a boomer. I'm a baby boomer. 
you know. I'm, I'm, right, I'm right in the middle someplace. I was born in 1960. The oldest baby boomer alive today would be 78. Anybody 78 in here? Who's that back there? Is that you, Joe? 78? Who's that back there? Is that Brother Seabold back there? You're only 78? <laughs> hey, Brother Mrs. Seabold. It's sure good to see you folks. God bless you, man. Haven't seen you for a while. You look great. I can't see, but you look great. Right? So, uh, just, just, just take that in for a second, you know? And, and really, we can stretch this thing out because what we're seeing here in America are the results of what's happened when we began to allow for these sinful influences, and not just allow, but to almost invite these, influ- these sinful influences right into our homes. I was talking to our youth director this morning. He sent out an email yesterday. And he always, he always copies me with the emails, and I appreciated it. He sent out an email yesterday talking about sharing with the, with the teenagers' parents about how we can put certain apps on our phones or certain apps on our children's phones. And, and, and just to give us some, oh, I don't know, I, I wanted to say peace of mind, but I don't know if you can get peace of mind today. But at least a sense of some security that what your child, what your teen is looking at online, all these social media platforms, you know, at least they can be monitored, and there's some apps involved. And I said this to Isaac, I said, I think maybe I'll, I'll adjust. I wasn't going to, but I think I might. Uh, the very last message in this series on family, I might include, I preached a message some time ago, a couple years ago, I was doing this on Sunday nights. Bobby Joe, you were in Florida one Sunday night. I was doing these one-word sermon series. I think the night you were there, I preached one word was complaining. Complaining. You know, I had a good time with that. You don't look too happy. You said, Pastor, please don't preach that now. But another one word sermon series I did was called Internet. And we looked at the very beginning uh, of the Internet and the WWW, the World Wide Web, and, you know, where it began and, and what its intentions were then and where it's gotten to now. And what we don't understand is, boy, it's, it's just a great platform for sinful influences. Somebody help me, please. It's a great platform for, and now our children, our young people, you and I as moms and dads and adult men, adult women, I mean just right here, just right here, we have at our fingertips the, 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 uh, the uh, opportunity, the open door to get in trouble. Come on, man, you're not with me today. You just, you just don't realize the world in which we're living in. And I know the philosophy is this. It's not gonna, it'll never happen in my house. Really? I never thought my wife would get cancer 25 years ago. But she did, and guess what? Just battled with it again this past year. It's not always going to be somebody else's kid. It may end up being yours, especially when you live with your head in the clouds. Are you with me? Huh? So this is real stuff, man. And I know, I know little Bobby and little Betty, they're the cutest little things. <laughs> you're supposed to at least laugh or say, you're right, Pastor. And they, they would never, Donald, they would never do wrong. I mean, my kids are perfect. You know, I know that because we're perfect. So perfect people have perfect kids, right? 
No, I'm a sinner, and believe it or not, I hate to say this, but even Mrs. Genizzi is a sinner. I know you can't believe that. She is saintly. And our kids are sinners. Our children and my grandchildren are sinners. Huh? And since they have a sin nature, sin becomes a possibility. And if we're not careful, and if we don't do right, and train them right, it'll be a probability. It'll become a major problem in our lives. Hello? If you were here last two weeks, last two weeks we spoke about the dysfunctional family. Right? Remember? Dysfunctional family. And man, I took a family from the Old Testament way back, way back, way back. And we call them dysfunctional. Why? Because they were. Isaac, Rebecca, and their two sons, Jimmy and Johnny. Remember? Isaac and Esau, I mean Jacob and Esau, they, they were just, a, the family was a mess. And where did it begin? Pay attention right here. It began when every member of that family got out of their lane. Right? Dad rebelled against God because God said, I'm going to put the blessing upon the younger son. But Isaac said, mm, 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 and tried to put the blessing upon the elder. Remember? He rebelled against God. It happened when mom got out of her lane and said to her son, she said to her son, you listen to what I'm about to say. I'm about to command you to do something. You better do it. And you know what she commands her son to do? She commands her son to deceive her husband. Somebody say, that ain't right. Somebody say, that's messed up. That's messed up, right? That's dysfunctional. That's what that is. And we have dysfunctional families in excess today. We're just not functioning the way a family should function. So how should a family function? Well, you have the, you have the dysfunctional family, you have the nuclear family, you have the biblical family. Right? Do you remember back in the beginning when God was putting all this together? Before there was a formal government, before there was a church, he instituted the family. The family. Adam, Eve, and the children. Call it what you want, a nuclear family. Core members, a male, a female, and some kids. Right? The first two were boys, right? Cain and Abel. And by the way, let's just be clear, that was a dysfunctional family. Right? I mean, to tell you, if they were members of the church, we'd be looking to church discipline someone. Isn't that true? Huh? And, and so, but that's where it was. And in the very beginning, God said this in Genesis chapter number 2, verse 24. It's still in the Bible. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Did you notice he said, and I'm not going to go down the road too much with this. Did you notice he said, therefore shall a man and a man. No, he said a man and a woman. I don't care that it's 2023. It doesn't matter to me what our president or presidents or society or governors have deemed to be okay. It's not okay because God said it's not okay. Oh, I like that. I like that. I didn't plan that. I have no remote in my hand. That was good. 
deacons, give those guys a raise, would you? That's good. Not only that, but you know the Bible, the Bible begins to, the Bible begins to give to us uh, principles for family life. You know what a principle is? A principle is a course of action designed by God that if you follow it, it'll lead you to good success. Not just success, but good success, and there's a difference. In the world, you can have success, but you can only have good success if you follow God's principles. And the Bible reveals the principles for family life. Uh, For example, the Bible tells us what the role of a father should be. The Bible tells us what the role of a mother should be. The Bible tells us what the role of children should be. Right? That's another message down the road here. Uh, The Bible also tells us what the role of extended family members should be. So a grandfather, a grandmother, an aunt and an uncle. So if I allow you to come live in my house, well, you've got to help me. You've got to help me to establish my home. You can't work against it. Look here, Grandma, if you're living with the family and, and that teen boy needs to be corrected, don't you get involved and say, oh, I can't believe you're gonna. You're messing with the family. Hello? And so the Bible establishes these principles, and then, and then you, share, you, see some, you see some promises in Scripture for the family. In fact, Peter, on the day of Pentecost, he's preaching And he says in Acts chapter number 2, verse 38, he says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then he said this in verse 39. Throw it up, guys. He said, look at it, For the promise is unto you and to who? Your children. So there's promises in the Bible. You remember when Paul was in uh, Philippi in that jail, you know, and all of a sudden there's an earthquake and everybody's running around. And man, the jailer, he's petrified because he thought he lost the prisoners. And Paul said, do thyself no harm. He preaches the gospel to him. And the, and the jailer says, man alive, what, what do I need to do to be saved? And here's what he said. Look at it. He said, uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And thy house. And thy house. And so from cover to cover, from start to finish, what you find in Scripture is truth, principles, promises, and portraits of families. You know, not perfect because there are no perfect families, but families who for the most part stayed by the stuff. Did you ever read in Jeremiah 35, you ought to read this when you go home, about about Jonadab and, and his son and how they stayed by the stuff and God blessed them. Over and over, you see these portraits in the Bible of biblical homes. <laughs> in that healthy, healthy families. And isn't that what we want? Don't we want to have healthy families? You see, a preacher, man, it's just, I mean, we got, my wife and I, we got saved late, and our kids, man, they're already, you know, they're already reared up. You know, little so-and-so and little so-and-so, boy, they just have this streak in them. I get it. I get it. But here's, here's, what, I, here's what I believe. It's never too late to start. It never is. In fact, tomorrow is built on what you do today. Right? Never too late to start. So what, what do we do? What do we do? Let me give you just two thoughts in closing because this is a series and we're going to continue this. Just a couple of thoughts in closing. You ready? 
Number one, I think we ought to do this. In order to build a biblical family, a healthy family, we need to first, we need to first commit ourselves to the Lord. Say it with me. I need to commit myself to the Lord. Right? You with me? I want everybody right now in this room, me and Tyler staff members, you got some preachers in this room, every one of us, I want you to, in your mind, in your heart, I want you to ask yourself this question. Am I really committed to the Lord? Would you do that? Would you ask yourself that question? Am I really committed to the Lord? And then I would follow that up by saying this, what's it mean to be committed to the Lord? Huh? Because I think the day and age in which we live, the word casual. The word casual. Can I preach for a little bit? The word casual has kind of influenced our commitment. Help me here. Boy, I hate it when people put their head down when I preach. You know what it says? It's kind of like saying sick them to a dog. We become casual with our commitment. And I, I'm, not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying we, need to be, we need to be like the church of 1970, 1980, 1990. No, or even yesterday. But our commitment to the Lord should never waver. Our commitment to the Lord should not wane. Our commitment to the Lord should not be influenced by what's going on in society. Hello? Right? And it's okay, we, we sing some worship songs and we have service times, changes, and I, yeah, that's all, you know, that, that's just, that's window dressing. That's window dressing. But when it comes to our commitment to God, it ought never to change if you have commitment to God because the Lord is the God, our God and he changes not in our commitment to him. Don't you agree? So the only way we're going to be able to build, develop healthy homes is if we personally are committed to God. Look at that Bible verse. I beseech you, I beg you therefore, Paul says, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your... It's just reasonable. It's just reasonable. Right? It's just reasonable. So how do we define... Now pay attention here. How do we define the Christian family? Let me give it a shot. Can I give it a shot? Look at the screen. Help me. A Christian family can be described as a family where Christ is honored, obeyed, and served as Lord. It's a home where the father, mother, sons, and daughters are all growing in their commitment to Christ, looking to him for help to deal with problems, and praising him for his daily blessings. I don't think that's fanatical. That's not radical. You got a cell phone? How many got a cell phone? Got a cell phone? Go and take a picture of that. Go and take a picture of that. You're not going to remember it. Take a picture of it. That is not radical. That is not independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, Baptist of 1965. That's not radical. You can't say that's old-fashioned. You can't say that's outdated. You can't say, come on, man, get with it. 
I think that's on point for any culture. Any, remember a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, I lose track of time. Generational truth. Right? Um, Quentin, are you still 20 years old? You are? Okay. Craig, are you still 60-something? You are. Here's a 20-year-older and a 60-something. Are you a boomer? He's a boomer. And he, are you a zier? He's a zier. Right? Uh, likes, dislikes, right or wrong, 60-something, 20-something. How in the world do you bridge that gap? Truth. Bible truth. Bible truth. Hey, you can be a 20-something and like what you like. You can be a 60-something and like what you like. But when it comes to Bible truth, you better agree because it's Bible truth. It's got nothing to do with culture. Matters not what happens outside these walls, outside your home. This, this, look here, the Christian family. How do you, how do you describe it? Well, it's, it's a place, it's a family where Christ is honored, obeyed, and served. How else would you define it? It's a place where everybody does their own thing. It's a place where everybody names the name of Christ, and we just have the freedom because we, we have soul liberty, so everybody can do whatever they want to do. I'm going to tell you something. When my son comes over and eats something that I have preserved just for me, he's in trouble. <laughs> There's no such thing as refrigerator liberty in our house. Hello? Isn't that right? And I go in there. One day, I'll never forget this, man. My, my, my sister-in-law came over, and her and my granddaughter ordered a pizza for dinner or for lunch. And, and I thought, well, it's only two of them. I have to go out and do something. When I come back, I'm going to have a slice of pizza because you know how much I like pizza. I, like, I even like bad pizza, you know? And so I went out, did what I had to do, came back, got changed, went into the kitchen, thought I'd have a slice of pizza, ate slices in the pie. My sister-in-law and my, so if they ate two slices apiece, and even if they were really being gluttons and ate three slices apiece, just still a couple left for me. So I go in, and man, I can't find a pizza anywhere. So I look in the oven for the box, not there. I look in the refrigerator, not there. And I thought to myself, man, alive, that's, that's not right. That's just not right. So I had to make a big stink right then and there, but you know me, I had to bring it up sometime. And so I seen him a little bit ago, and I said, man, you eat all that pizza? And my sister-in-law said, no, I had, I had a slice or two slices, and my granddaughter said, I had a slice. Where'd the pizza go? And there's my dog sitting there. And whenever Mo does something Mo shouldn't do, he just lays there with his head on the ground and his eyes look up. And Mo must have had five slices of pizza. And I thought, you dirty dog. <laughs> huh? Look here, somebody say, somebody say, that ain't right. Nor is it right to think that anybody can do anything they want to do and call themselves a Christian. Huh? Look here. You want to do anything you want to do, do it. But don't call yourself a Christian. Well, I'm not that good of a Christian. You can't be not that good of a You're either a good Christian or you're not one. Huh? Because a Christian is somebody who tries to do their very best to live like Jesus. Right? 
And so, how do we develop these? I'll tell you how we do it. I'll tell you how we do it. We, we have to begin by committing ourselves to the Lord. And I get it. I know the hour's late. I know we're living in a broken world. I know there are no ideal families. There aren't any. No perfect families. Uh, you get saved, you come to church like this, and you see certain families prancing around. and say, boy, our family can never be like You don't know what goes on behind those walls. Yeah, every family's got issues they deal with. We're all carrying baggage we shouldn't be carrying. But, but in the Lord, we can, raise, we can raise healthy families. We can do it. We can do it. Here's my advice. Start where you're at. Somebody say, that's good. Start where you're at. You can't start where I'm at. I've been saved for a hundred years. I've been saved a long time, man. My kids are raised. I'm helping to raise my grandkids now. You can't start where I am. You can't look at me. No, you gotta start where you are. So I don't even have kids yet. That's great. That way you can begin to practice as to what you're gonna do when they come, so you don't have to make all your mistakes on the first one. I'm a, I'm a firstborn. I, that's why I, I'm, I'm a mess. <laughs> Parents made all the mistakes on me. But I'll tell you what you do. Here's what you do. Pay attention right here. We model, we model the Christian life in front of our children. In other words, mom and dad, pay attention right here. We ought to make it easy for our kids to follow Jesus. If all we're doing is heaping around them laws that are choking them and smothering them and challenging them, man, a lot. that's not what the Christian life's all about. We need to model the Christian life. And so when you're really, look, pay attention right here, when you're humped the grump having to come to church, guess what happens? Mom and uh, little boys and girls, they see it. Huh? And somewhere down the road, well, I gotta go to church. Yeah, you're gone. Why? Because I gotta go. It's not right. Why we go to church? Huh? It's not why we go to church. Look here, we ought to model our walk with the Lord. We, we ought to model our love for each other. Hey, hey, husbands, when was the last time your child heard you say to your wife, I love you? You're, you're tremendous. You're God's gift to me. Huh? That's where, that's, where, that's where it begins. In the home. Huh? You know what I've had to do? Boy, hour's getting late. You know what I've had to do sometimes? Brother Fenton, you know what I've had to do with my kids growing up? I had to confess to them that I was wrong. That was hard. That's hard. But there have been times, Tony, when I had to go to one of my daughters, one of my, to my son or my daughters, and say to them, hey, I want you to know something. I need, you, I, I need you to forgive me because I misjudged that. I jumped down your throat without really, and I'm sorry. And pray for me that I don't do it again. Let me tell you something. That went a long way with those kids. Rather than me saying, hey, you just, you just my, I'm, I'm dad, and what I, whether I'm wrong or not, you, you obey. It's going to come a time when they begin to realize he's an idiot. They may not say it, but they're, they're thinking it. Huh? But when you go to that child and you say, you know what, I misjudged the situation and I, I really didn't trust you in it and I really do apologize. What? I tell you, when I started doing that with my kids, my kids went to my wife and they said, what happened to dad? <laughs> what did you do to dad? Because I began to realize they're getting older. I can't treat them like that. 
I had to model Christianity for them. And then a second suggestion would be this, not just commit yourself to the Lord, but commit your family to the Lord. Look at the ancient record of Joshua. Isn't that good? Huh? He gets around the children of Israel, he gathers them together. They're a mess at this point in time. They don't know what to do, who to follow. And here's what Joshua says. He says, man, listen, you need to make up your mind who you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Did you notice, dads, did you notice it started with Josh? Did you notice? As for me, he said, as for me, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It's got to start. It's got to start with dad. Headship. Headship. Remember I mentioned that with Isaac, Rebecca, headship. Well, look here. When Isaac got out of his lane, guess what happened? Come on, tell me what happened. Rebecca got out of her lane. Huh? I don't know why it is. And there are times when I wish it were different, but God has chosen the male in the home to be the head. There are times when I like to say, man, just I'm tired of being the head. Don, be the head for a week. And I'll be honest with you, she's a pretty good head. In fact, there's a lot of times in order to fix my head, I got to use her head. Huh? My head is just... Her head is, she thinks it through, she prays about it. I pray about it afterwards. <laughs> you know, I just, bam! Oh, I better go pray about that. That didn't work out. Huh? I wish there were times, Brother Wanamaker, where I can trade places, but I didn't establish the order. God did. And Joshua said, as for me and my house, he knew it began with him. It began with him. Are you with me? It began with him. And I think this, I think it's just more than dedicating your children to the Lord. That's a cute little Christian thing to do. We have dedication Sunday and everybody gets dressed up and it's real nice. And we bring little Billy and little Betty and dedicate them to the Lord, Pastor. No, the way you, de the way you dedicate your children to the Lord is by dedicating yourself to the Lord first. So they have a model to follow, an example to see. And I think this, I think we need to lead our families in devotion. Did you see what he said? Go look at that text again in Ephesians. Look at chapter number 6, verse 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Why does he go to the fathers? Why didn't he say, and you mothers, mind your stinking business. That's the Queen James Version. <laughs> but he said, ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. But what? Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. In other words, you need to lead your kids. You need to lead your family. You need to train your family. Right? What he's saying there, I think it's this. I think it's this. It's leading your family in devotion to the Lord. It's reading the Bible with them. It's reading the Bible with them. I know we're busy, and I'm not saying you've got to do this every night. I'm not saying you got to have family altar, family devotions, Bible reading time every night. A couple times a week won't kill you. Just gather the family together and you say, Preacher, have you ever done it? Yeah. Your kids always sit there like it was church time? No. No, in the middle of devotions, every once in a while, I'd have to, I'd have to just get ballistic. Come on, did you have family devotions like that? It became more like spiritual warfare than it was 
Why don't you listen to me, boy? Girl, get off that phone. I'm trying to read the Bible here. Bless God. Let's pray. <laughs> huh? Nobody said it's going to be easy. Nobody said it's going to be easy. But it's the right thing to do. Huh? Uh, I think maybe you ought, you ought to pray with them. Once this talk, the last time you walked into your kid's room, and said, hey, let's pray together. Huh? And make it like, hey, hey, look, look at the face. Hey, let's pray together. Right? So, hey, let's, let's pray. Father, break this kid's will, I pray. <laughs> huh? <laughs> and if you don't break his will, break his knees. I mean, <laughs> come on, man. You're praying imprecatory prayers? Come on. It's this time you just walked in, his dad, and said, hey, hey, let's pray together. Let's pray together. Huh? How about this one? This is a big one. Let's go to church with them. Go to church with them. Man, church ought to be like highlight of the week. Can't wait to get there. Right? Serve the Lord with them. Serve the Lord with them. I mean, if, if it's good for you to serve God, it's good for your kids to serve God. No. Terrible thing when you go serve the Lord and leave your kids home. Serve the Lord with them. Are you with me? I can go on and on and on. Time's up. Commit yourself to the Lord. Commit your family to the Lord. It's got, that's where it begins. That's where it begins. Right? Families committed to the Lord. And then family members committed to each other. What do you think? I think we, we maybe need to read that text again and close. Look at it again. Chapter number 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is, say it, right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so, as we go to close in prayer, I want you to, I want you to think about this. Hey, let, let's just bow together for a moment. I want you to think about this with me. Each of us has a role to fill in the family. Either dad or mom, son, daughter, child. My question would be this. Are you today, to the best of your ability, fulfilling your role. So if you're, if you're dad, if you're mom, and if you're, you're, you're one of the children, are you today fulfilling your role? Now that could be a loaded question because sometimes we're not sure what our role is, but to the best of your ability, to the best of your knowledge, are you fulfilling your role? And if not, would you do this? Would you make a decision today to do your part? Would you make a decision today to do your part? You want your family to be a success. You want your mom and dad to be a success, right, young person? But you've got to do your part. Dad, you want your, your family to be a success. They can't be without your help. Mom, your, 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 your husband needs your help to be a success. See, everybody's got a role to play. Would you make up your mind right here, right now, today? I'm going to do my part. I'm going to find out what my part is, and to the best of my ability, I'm going to do my part. I'm just going to do my part. And friend, if you're here this morning and you've yet to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then let me extend to you an invitation. Yeah, an invitation. I want to invite you to come and let me take a Bible 
and share with you in just a few moments what you need to do in order to be saved. Because one day you're going to die. We all will. And that's not the time to determine where you're going to spend eternity. You need eternity. You need to find it out now. Get it figured out now. Make your decision now. Those who have Christ as their personal Savior are guaranteed eternal life, and those who don't are guaranteed eternal death. Wouldn't you want life? Choose life by choosing Jesus. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you can give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.